Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Cam! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan Cam Slam Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Well, we are 64 games down, three games to go. We've got a Final Four. I'm guessing not a whole lot of people had this Final Four, although it's not too shocking. We'll get into that. Free agency heated up big time last week in the NFL. We'll get into that. Got to get ready for the draft here in a month or so. We got golf back. We've got the Masters coming up in a week. We had the match play this past weekend. It was great. Oh, by the way, some semblance of baseball is happening. I guess they're still playing NBA games. Who really cares? NHL's ramping up. I think they start their playoffs oh, May man. 5th. <laughs> Crazy. May 5th. Anyway, lots to talk about. So let's get right to it. Ryan? The lectern is yours. Yep. Um, start off this week. Uh, interesting um, thing I saw on Twitter. Um, courtesy of Greg Waddell. He does um, podcast um, Field of 68 for Michigan State and Sleepers Media. Um, he got this information from Ken Palm. He tweeted out, this is, like I said, Ken Palm. So bench minutes ranks for this year's Final Four teams. Duke is 314th, Kansas 296th, Villanova 323rd, North Carolina 344th. And this guy John John Gasway, who who writes for uh, I mean ESPN, you know he's written a lot of books, um, you know in regard to basketball, does a lot of analytics stuff, um, and he says to make the final four you should rank in the three hundreds at Kempom for bench minutes, most of the time, and they said some comments on this trend how it relates to Michigan State. So this is Michigan State seasons by year followed by rank in bench minutes followed by. Postseason round of elimination. So that's how basically how deep you go into your bench. So this year, Michigan State was 81st, round of 32 loss. Last year, Michigan State was 32nd, lost in the playing game. 2020, they were 132nd, no tournament. 2019, 195th, final four. 2018, 53rd, lost in the round of 32. 2017, number one, round of 32. 2016, they were 16th, round of 64. 2015, 188th final four. The trend is if you have a a short rotation at the end of the year, you're probably going to go far because you know who you're playing. Michigan State did not have that figured out once again when it was March. They had guys they were playing eleven guys randomly here and there, you know, spot minutes, but it just shows the teams that have had most success at Michigan State are guys are ones that shortened the bench. Twenty nineteen. Nick Ward goes down and Xavier Tillman comes in the starting lineup. When Ward came back, he probably played 10 to 15 minutes, and then coming off the bench before Arns was, before he got hurt, was playing probably 10 minutes. Lawyer was spot minutes if there was foul trouble, and then, I don't mean, if, if other guys, if needed, maybe, Gabe Brown threw him in there. It, there wasn't much, honestly. Michigan State didn't go deep at all, um, and they made a run, so... Izzo's got to figure that out going forward here. Um, maybe you should take a look at Ken Palm. I don't know if coaches do that, but I'm, I'm sure they do. You know, somebody. Kevin Paga probably does. Yeah. So. Yeah, that and that's... It's pretty glaring. It's super interesting, and I'm gonna, my podium is kind of a continuation on what in the, you know, what's wrong with the Big Ten after nobody made the Elite Eight. Um, it was the Big Ten became the first conference... To get nine or more teams in the big dance and not have at least one make the Elite Eight. And they only had two with a chance, and one of them was a fraud chance anyway. Um, I just, I'll get into that in a minute, but back to the bench thing. I mean, Ryan's exactly right. If you look, and I get it, 
coaches are are worried about guys are going to leave because we have played with a bunch of snowflakes. Ryan had the privilege of hanging out with a Spartan legend over the weekend and picking his brain on some of these things. And uh, that was a lot of the messages. Like, guys just, they leave. They transfer. And I, coaches are in a conundrum, right? It's like, I want to play. Izzo really would prefer to play seven or eight guys. But number one, nobody really stepped up this year. So that's a problem. But number two is you worry, then what happens to these freshmen that don't play much? Are they willing to wait their turn? Are they willing to wait like Mo Pete was? You know, are they willing to stick around for four years like Mateen and Charlie Bell and Mo Pete? Mo Pete actually five years. I mean, those days are done, and that's why college basketball is in kind of a you-know-what show. I mean, Villanova is arguably the most experienced team left, um, and they're like their core is mostly juniors and a couple of seniors. Um, but that kind of gets me to my podium, which is what is wrong with the Big Ten. Last week we talked about it. Ryan pointed to officiating. We talk, I talked about speed, size, strength. I think you got to look style. play style. I think you got to look at bench. So I actually did some um, some homework when I was sitting there because the elite eight games are kind of boring. We'll get into that in a minute. And I have a nice fancy spreadsheet. I should put it on TikTok so people can actually see it's color coded and everything. I broke down every single Big Ten game played, fouls called on the teams, free throws attempted by the teams, and then I looked at that compared to the Big Ten tournament averages compared to those who made the NCAA tournament. I don't think the Big Ten had anybody in the NIT didn't even look at that anyway. And actually, statistically, there's no significance between how games are called in the Big Ten season and how we thought or they appear to be called in the postseason. Now, I will say this. It depends on the matchup. If you look at Michigan State, 19 fouls, Duke 12. I didn't look at their Arkansas Duke numbers, but I guarantee you that was out of whack. And you can say, oh, well, yeah, but Andy, you know, end of the game, they're going to get more fouls. Okay, factor in a little bit of that, but I think a lot of that has to do with style. I think a lot of that has to do with perception. I mean, if you look at Duke, the stat flashed up in the Arkansas game. They made more free throws than their opponents attempted this year. I'm not saying, I'm just saying there's something to that. So, I'm not going to fully blame the officials because actually I think officiating is a bit of an ep- epidemic anyway. I know Ken might kind of cringe at that and disagree a little bit, but there's there's definitely a problem. There's definitely a need to solve some things. It's not really a difference between, now granted, small sample size, right? 20 games regular season, you know, one to three games, you know, tournament season. But the only kind of anomaly was Purdue attempted 31 free throws a game in the tournament. And they attempted definitely less than that. Um, I'll tell you here in a second. They, and part of that was because they shot like 47 against Texas in the regular, in the regular season, they attempted 21 a game, which is actually the highest in the big 10. So, I mean, 10, 10 more a game and St. Peter's didn't really follow them that much. So that's actually more of a benefit to Purdue. We were looking at it as, as the opposite side. So, you know, at me if you want to know kind of some of the details because I do. I have a massive spreadsheet with all this stuff, but it's pretty consistent. I mean, there's some really high highs and there's some really low lows, so you got to toss those out and and look at the 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 middle. And it's really like 16, 17 fouls a game for Big Ten during Big Ten season, and the same in the Big Ten tournament, and the same in the NCAA tournament. So it's not just the officiating. I think it has more to do with the perception, which is based on style of play which goes to size, speed, strength. And look at the teams that are left and cohesiveness. There's not a whole lot of teams in the Big Ten, I mean, as, as grinded out as it is, that are all that fundamental, maybe a Wisconsin compared to like a Villanova or some of these other schools. So anyway, crazy stuff. Um, we'll give the stats a rest a little bit on the Big Ten, but RIP Big Ten, awful showing. Didn't think last year could could get, you know, trumped for being worse. And there we go. This year was worse. All right, Ryan, you're going to tee, you're going to provide the tee up, the who, the what, the when, the why, and I'm going to probably chime in on this one. Yeah, uh, tee up of the week. Um, we're going to go to our friends at CBS. Hello, friends. Jim Nance, Bill Raffrey, Grant Hill, Tracy Walsh, which is just on the side. She doesn't really do much aside from interview people. But this During CBS, the game, which can we talk about is the dumbest freaking thing yeah, ever. Stop. Stop. The coaches are paid to do a job. Stop asking them 
dumbass questions in the middle of the game. So this is the A CBS broadcast team, and in, in, I mean, in their eyes, in many people's eyes, in my eyes, no. Kevin Harlan is definitely the best announcer. Um, I'd say Iron Eagles even better than Jim Nance. Jim Nance is better golf and football. Um, these guys, you know, they worked the Final Four. They've done it, I think, together since 2015. I think that was the first year. Yeah, they it used to be Nance and Clark. Um, yeah, it used to be Nance and Clark, and before that, Nance and Billy Packer mm-hmm. um, for Coach. a long time. Um, and then, yeah, so so Jim Nance, I think this is dating back to you know, 95 or 96 um, when he really started working almost every NCAA tournament. So in that time, um, he has been on Jim Nance himself um, in, in the A broadcast team at CBS has been um, in Duke's pod um, for the weekend, first week of the tournament, 10 times, um, calling their games there. Um, that's a lot. I mean, that's basically every other year if you really think about it with a couple off years in there. Um, and then they have been in Duke's region 12 times. They've only made it there 10 times, but 12 times it was lined up to be that way. That's ridiculous. So you 20 can't times tell since me, 1996? You can't tell. 12 times since 1996. No, but total. Between the 10 and the 12. 22, yeah, 20 times they've been in their area. Yes. That's ridiculous. You can't tell me there's not a Duke love affair there. I mean, and they and during the game, I didn't. I, I was at a at a bar, so I didn't really catch. It. I could see some of the closed captions getting texts and and seeing online how how bad it was, and they were just gut. Oh, Duke. Oh, well, the coup de gras though is Grant Hill taking off his headset to go celebrate with Duke. I'm sorry. That's so unprofessional. No. I I love you, Grant Hill. You were a phenomenal Piston. You're really, by all accounts, a great dude. That there's not that no, there's no place for that. You clearly are tipping your hand of what you're there for, and you can say you're objective during the game, just like Billis can say he's objective during the game, just like Herb Street can say he's objective during an Ohio State game. BS, you should never call your own school's games, period. You just should in a tournament, it'd be like me being asked to go call Michigan State, or for that matter, go call the call Michigan. Would I be fair? No, I mean. Grant Hill shouldn't do Duke any more than he should do North Carolina, and yet he's going to do Duke against North Carolina, and you know who the hell he's rooting for. It's disgusting. It's bad enough, CBS, that it's pretty damn clear who you wanted in there, this this slobber knocker fest on Coach K. I get it. He's the winningest coach of all time. I get, we get it. We don't need to be told the story again. We don't need to see these crocodile tears. Shove it. I would rather see St. Peter's in Arkansas than North Carolina and Duke because of the way you handle this. It's nauseating. It's nauseating. All week. All right. So we're teeing up CBS. Well, this week, TBS, why they would put it on cable. It's beyond me. Why they play Monday is beyond me. Whatever. But, yeah, come on. I mean, we deserve better as fans. For as good as this tournament has been, we deserve better. Speaking of the tournament, let's get in. We're going to take around the world. We're going to take a couple spots to talk about the weekend that was and then get into some other regular habitual type of spots so it's not all March Madness um, around the world this time. Let's talk a little Sweet 16 recap. I don't have my picks down here. I know that pretty much a lot, I only had like, I don't know, nine of the 16 alive in the Sweet 16 anyway. Um, You know, I'll just give you a couple of my thoughts and then I'll let Ryan break it down. So, you know, kind of one of my favorite things, and I could end on this quote actually, my favorite thing out of the Sweet 16 was um, Coach Holloway's quote after St. Peter's took out Purdue. And he's like, I've just got guys who play basketball. They play basketball and they have fun. I mean, is that not what it's all about? Did he not sum it up the best way? How could you not have been rooting for St. Pete, um, St. Peter's against even North Carolina? I mean, they obviously they ran into a buzz, so I'll talk about that in a minute, but the way they stymied Purdue was just like Michigan State did, honestly, the first time Michigan State played them. They said, okay, fine. We're going to make it difficult in the middle, but we're going to let your bigs get, but you're not going to burn us from three. Purdue is the number one most efficient three-point shooting team in the country all season long. They shot 23.6%. They made Ivy look like a kindergartner at times, although he very nobody's talking about how close that last shot was to going in. I mean, that was a front iron shot that was another inch. That's over the rim, and we're going to overtime and – we might be talking about Purdue in the in the Final Four. I don't know. But, um, you know, just some other random thoughts from me for Sweet 16. I'll toss it over to Ryan. I mean, Gonzaga, 
I think they almost well, just they just couldn't handle the pressure. I think that's been the problem. I think it's just it's they were better back in the day when they could sneak up on guys. If you look at it, like Adam Morrison when they didn't make the Final Four and the emotion there, they had too much pressure. Um, last year, everybody expected them to win it, and then they, you know, obviously Suggs made the great half court shot. They made the the finals, and then they just absolutely got obliterated by Baylor. I just think they couldn't handle the pressure. It's not because they don't have the guys. It's not because they're not well coached. They have the same thing this year. I just think they succumbed to the pressure. And you can say, well, they didn't play anybody. Their league was actually pretty decent. Three teams in. Um, they played a much tougher non-conference schedule than, they, than they've played in the past. So I don't necessarily buy that. I just think they just succumbed to the pressure. I just think they just kind of, the pucker factor, as, as my wife hates me saying, the pucker factor was real. Um, they got kind of close in that first game against Georgia State. They kind of had to claw back against Memphis, and you thought they'd claw back again against Arkansas, but Arkansas was just junkyard dogged them, and bye-bye Gonzaga, you know. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that really, obviously St. Peter's stood out there. Um, what else? North Carolina smoking UCLA yeah, pretty good. I, I mean, it was close. I mean, it was close. It was it was a runaway They came game, back. Caleb Love went crazy. 27 in the second half. Um, pretty dang good game. Arkansas, that was crazy. Um, just suffocated. Villanova, Michigan wasn't even close. Villanova, Michigan. Don't scoreboard was, I mean, they, Villanova is so fundamental. It's, How many it's awesome. layups did Dickinson miss at the rim? Probably 15. And by the way, that's a freaking epidemic anyway. Guys can't make monies. That's why St. Peter's got in a hole early against North Carolina that they could never get out of because they couldn't score at the rim. It's ridiculous. It's like learn to use the glass or learn to finish fundamentally strong. I mean, I don't know what's going on. That's that's, that's not just St. Peter's against North Carolina. We're talking yeah, like every game. Michigan State had had that problem all year long. Ugh. Ugly, yeah. ugly, ugly. Houston dismantled Arizona. That was a surprise. Mm. Um, you know, played really, really another well. junkyard dog team. Yeah. That they and Arkansas very similar styles. You know, obviously they. Very ran out of gas and then the next day, but I mean uh, Miami just absolutely th- throttled Auburn out of the get go. They beat Iowa State. Oh, Iowa State, sorry, because that's right. I, they they had already beaten Auburn, but they did the same thing. It's like another really good showing by Miami, and then all of a sudden, huh? The much maligned ACC, who plays a very distinctive style, had three of the eight Elite Eight teams, while the Big Ten had Zero. none. Um, I mean, just. Kind of crazy, uh, especially we'll go into that Big Ten thing too. That could have set this up in my podium, but Michigan State is still the last Big Ten team to make a, a final, to make a Final Four first of all, but also to win a national championship twenty two years ago. Now there's a measure of luck in there. There's been a fair amount of Big Ten teams in Michigan's the Final Four, close. including Michigan. Michigan's been Indiana, in two finals. Um, Illinois, but wow, I mean. I think it's kind of time to wake up, smell the coffee, and, and change your style. Uh, how about this? Kansas, 22 years in a row with a four-seater better. Crazy. That was brought out. I mean, like, unbelievable. And arguably, and they're the only one seed left. They're the best team standing that's left. You won't hear much about them. Um, you know, this is kind of my other fun thought. And then, Ryan, any other thoughts from you on the Sweet 16? But. The St. Peter's Peacocks, who won on Peacock National Peacock Day, by the way, in the Sweet yep. 16, with an athletic department budget, not basketball, athletic department budget of $7.5 million, stared down four opponents with a combined athletic department budget of over $365 million. And they beat three of them on the That's biggest stage in college sports. I mean, how you cannot... I don't think anybody will truly appreciate it maybe until a couple of years go by. But, you know, they're a good team. None of those guys had stars in, as recruits, like a North Carolina, like a Purdue, like a Kentucky that they played. I mean, hats off, Peacocks. Uh, fun to watch. I was I was sad to see him get off to a bad start yesterday because I knew that it was going to be a blowout. Um, but uh, that was fun to watch and, and fun to watch them take out Purdue, even though it meant another year of the Big Ten being the laughing stock yeah. game. Anything else, Sweet 16, right? No, it was a really good one. Then that's where the fun ended. Yeah, let's go to spot number two, Elite Eight. It was a dud. I mean, Arkansas hung tough-ish for a while. You know, but you knew that. Again, I said it when Michigan State played Duke. It, the fouls are 4 nothing before the game starts. I mean, it's just, hey, 
give Duke credit. It's not like they don't have good players. Of course they have good players. It's not like Coach K can't coach. Of course he can coach. But I'm just it just feels like things probably just like it feels like the Big Ten gets you know, treated differently in the tournament than they really do. Perception becomes a reality for people, and the perception is that Duke just gets to do whatever they want to do, and they get to have fun, and broadcasters get to jump out and party with them on the floor, and blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm tired of it. I don't even want to watch North Carolina Duke just for that reason, except for I do want to see if North Carolina can do Trump what they did to him on Coach K's last day. I mean, how how much do you think Tar Heels would just absolutely – just as – more, I guarantee you, more than Michigan State fans so desperately wanted to put that final nail in Coach K's career coffin. Take that and ramp it up by a bajillion. That's how bad North Carolina fans yeah. want this game, I guarantee you. And I hope it happens. I hope it happens. Yeah. Um, that wasn't a game, Carolina, St. Pete. I mean, not really. Those were both terrible. Houston Nova was. You know, close, mm-hmm. but it wasn't fun. It was, it was a rock cool. fight, low scoring. If you took the under, you were happy because they were way under. Kansas blew out Miami. In the second half, I mean, they were down at half and just absolutely throttled them. Yeah, they they showed me a little bit of something there. And love them or hate them, wonder, you know, with self, with the allegations of all that stuff in the documentary and whatever. But minus Gordon Lightfoot, who's who's you know, on their team coming off their bench, Ryan pointed out that he played against Miles Bridges when Michigan State played them in what, 2016-17 season, yeah. I mean, that's how long the guy's been there. He also wrote Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I mean, come on. Like, do, do we really need seventh-year seniors in basketball? But they've got a good collection of talent. Um, boy, I, I feel for what's-his-name for Villanova. I mean, you could – I knew it as soon as he went down – I said that's not an ankle because people would go, oh, he twisted his ankle. I'm like, nah, no, because he went and he put that leg parallel to the ground because, yeah. and you could guy. see it pop in his calf. It's just like, where does Villanova go? I mean, they already lost one freshman that was playing a little bit. They haven't trusted their freshman to play much. They were really playing six. Can they get away with only playing five? I, I don't think so. So they're going to have to have somebody step up from the bench. This is their second leading scorer. Leader, he's been a three-year starter. I feel for them because out of the teams that are left, honestly, They're my the team I'm pulling for is Villanova because Jay Wright's just—I mean, he's the best. He's—he's he's the best current coach. You can say Krzyzewski's got all this stuff, but I mean, he's won two final two championships since 2016. Yep. right. Could be number three. Don't count them out. They're only like a three and a half or a four-point dog, even with a one of their starters injured. Um, but, I mean, we got an all-blue blood, or as I saw, it's more like the all-country club Final Four. And they're all blue teams, so that kind of goes with that, eight, is that AT&T commercial that they've been playing with the best shade of blue. I guess we'll find out uh, after this weekend. But, Ryan, what are, any other thoughts on on Elite Eight? What was, what wasn't? Yeah, boring. I don't really care. Yeah, it really was. It's disappointing for because it's for as great as the games have been all tournament, they just were like wah wah. Like yeah. honestly, I would rather that be the case in the Elite Eight than the Final Four because I do hope for some fun games in the Final Four. But again, CBS, TBS, True, whoever's TNT. I mean, please give us East Coast fans a break. You kowtow to the West Coast, who's all high flu. They don't even, half the time, they don't even care. They're a bunch of tree-hugging hippies. Like, we don't have, what? what's the furthest West team that we have in this thing? Kansas. We have a mountain team, or a, not even, a central mountain standard man. Central standard the time. man. Yeah, manic. Who, mouth breather extraordinaire. That dude never closes his mouth. I don't, he looks like some sort of a cartoon character. I don't know. Yosemite Sam, maybe. Um, I mean, really, like, so you have Central Standard Time. Okay, so for them it's like an 8.25 tip by the time the game tips off. It's not so bad for them. But for those of us like Ryan and I that want to watch One Shining Moment because it's a tradition, we're going to stay up past midnight on a work night or a, for some a school night? I mean, like, come on. Yeah, this cool. is like, how how can you want young kids? And I remember just kind of like staying up and sneaking and watching the game. But, like, what 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 good does that do for the fans of basketball? If you're going to do it late at night, put it on a Saturday. Play the Final right. Four on a Thursday and then play on Saturday. Or, 
you know, I know there's some schools that wouldn't do it or there's other reasons maybe you wouldn't, but play Friday, Sunday. That's what they do with a women's tournament. I mean, I, I just don't understand. They do this for football too. I, I, I get it for West Coast, but again, minus some people in like LA and San Francisco, but those, those, they don't even have representation and they don't care. No, <laughs> they don't, they don't care. Don't. They like pro sports. They don't even care. Like, how many people go to USC and UCLA basketball games? Maybe UCLA, but like really? And you kowtow to the West Coast for the rest of us to have to like be groggy at work the next day? I mean, I get the early rounds. It's noon to midnight and spread out. And that's fun. It's exciting because you take a couple of days off and who cares? You're just wired on whatever you're wired on. But like come now, game 67, give us a break. You'll never figure it out because, you know, that's where you get your TV bucks for whatever reason. But figure it out. All right. Moving to spot three, we're going to go back to our favorite spot three topic, which is Mount Rushmore. We'll keep it on the tournament. Ryan, let's talk about the best final fours ever. And this could be your perception of best final four collective group of teams, could be the best final four in terms of the outcome, whatever you want it to be. Yeah. um, I mean, I can't really think of that many where I was like, ah. Really, really good teams, like all one seeds or anything like that. I had to do some research. I got to go with you know the the final four that you know, I think it was a couple days ago was the anniversary of it. Michigan State, Indiana State, Penn, DePaul, Michigan State um, beat Indiana State. Magic versus Bird, the rivalry. Mark McGuire, people forget, played for DePaul. Oh, he did. Yeah, dang. Ended up being a great Dallas. Penn Dallas was, a, was a Cinderella yeah. that year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, crazy. Where it all began. That's when the most still one of the still, most viewed yeah. college. Still the most game. viewed basketball game. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'm going to go way way back. Was not even. I don't know if I was a, a swimmer as at this point in time even, but 1957, North Carolina, Kansas, Michigan State, and San Francisco. North Carolina won two triple overtime games to become the tournament champions. Beat Michigan State in triple overtime. That was Michigan State with jumping Johnny Green, and they beat Kansas in triple overtime. And we could get a North Carolina Kansas final here. Built on that team. Um, fifty-seven. Yeah, he very well might have been. Yeah. Um, so that's my first pick. I think my, uh, you know, I think my second one probably. Boy, you know it's. <sighs> It's kind of there's there's a lot of good ones obviously but like 1982 uh, you know you had a Cinderella there obviously with North uh, or no the 82 was North Carolina that was 83 was North Carolina State 82 was solid North Carolina Georgetown Houston and Louisville you had Ewing you had Jordan you had Olajuwon James Louisville Murphy. had a great team I mean that was like. That was a really, really, really good final four. I don't know what they're collect. I don't know how how they really seeded it back then because that was before there were sixty four teams. But that's my second pick. Good one. Um, I'll go. Still, I'll stay later back then. Um, Nineteen ninety one, Duke, Kansas, the UNLV running Rebels. That's when they were legit um, in North Carolina. Crazy UNLV. That's when Tark and. Yeah, and they Barry were going. Johnson, they were going for their back-to-back Stacey championships, and, and Duke pulled off a pretty good upset. Greg before, Anthony. Before everybody completely hated Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley. You know, we won like, that year. Are they they won in ninety. Okay, ninety was when they beat Duke by like forty, right? Yeah, throttled Duke, and then Duke got them as kind of like Rocky versus Clubber Lane or Rocky versus. No, he didn't fight Drago twice. Rocky versus Apollo Creed's type of thing. Like just went down. Big time. Oh, probably more like Clever Lane. Got, got his ass kicked in the first matchup, and then the second one kind of pulled off the upset. That's a good one. All right, give me another one. I'll go 2008, Memphis, Kansas, UCLA, UNC, ended with Chalmers putting in overtime. And then Memphis had uh, Derrick Rose, the cheater. Um, UCLA had, I think, Kevin Love and Russell Westbrook. North Carolina, that was kind of, you know, the, the year bef- before um, they won the national championship in 2009 over Michigan State. They had Hansbro, you know, Wayne Ellington, Danny Green, all these guys that played in the NBA. They had a dynasty going then. Kansas also, I mean, Chalmers played in the NBA for a long time. Sharon Collins, Cole Aldridge, all these guys. 
Yeah, I got to go um, 1987. Honestly, I mean, I remember sitting on my dad's lap and watching Michigan State and Magic Johnson beat Larry Bird in 79. I was only almost six years old at the time. But when I first really remember fully watching and grasping and doing a bracket, I mean, I remember Villanova in 85 and, you know, or, yeah, 85, and I remember some of those. But 1987, Indiana, Keith Smart in in, uh, New Orleans, um, beat Syracuse, um, basically on a buzzer beater. You had UNLV, who was really, really good at the time, kind of pre all the all the guys, Grandma Ma and, and that, that were studs in the early 90s. In Providence with Billy Donovan, uh, Rick Pitino as coach. I mean, that was an underrated, low-key, really, really good um, Final Four. And actually, that means two of my picks were New Orleans. So this year kind of makes sense to be New Orleans because this is actually a really good one this year too. Yeah. What else you got, Ryan? Um, I'll go... I'll go. I'll do a more another recent one. 2015, Michigan State was a seven seed. Duke, Kentucky was undefeated coming in. Wisconsin, I think there were three one seeds and then seven. Michigan mm-hmm. State, um, Duke obviously just loaded with the guys that played in the NBA. Michigan State had a really nice team, made a nice run. Kentucky undefeated loses to Wisconsin. Just they, Devin Booker came off the bench. If that tells you anything, probably gonna be the MVP of the NBA this year. Um, Wisconsin with Decker Kaminsky. Um, all those guys, um, fantastic, fantastic talents um, in that year, for sure. Yeah, I think for my last one, um, maybe not so much because it was Giants or Blue Bloods, but because you had a, a, an underdog who captured, you know, not quite a St. Peter's level underdog, but still a local underdog that captured the hearts and minds of fans, and that was 2010. Um, Duke, Butler, Michigan State, West Virginia, I mean, you had uh, just – Butler almost wins, just misses a half-court shot against Michigan State should have beat Duke. Butler, though. Yeah, Michigan State kind of got screwed by the refs that game. Um, just kind of a fun one just because Butler had made some noise in tournaments before, but then they rose up, and then they did it again the next year. And they, they were kind of like they were like a, a version of Gonzaga. They haven't sustained it quite like Gonzaga, but um, a, a fun, fun team to watch. All right, so that is our... You did four, right? Yep. That is our uh, Mount Rushmore for the week, and we'll be continuing to do Mount Rushmores because after this week, after next week, when we talk a little bit of hoops, we got a little hiatus from hoops for a while. Oh, well, well, NBA. <laughs> yeah, NBA. Who draft. cares about that? All right. Speaking of draft, this is it's down there a little ways, but last well, week was a, a was a busy week in the NFL. Um, it's been a busy off season. Yeah, busy, busy. Lots of rumors and pro days and. Big, you know, trades and free agency signings. Ryan, you probably followed it more um, than I than even I did. I mean, I know the basics, but yeah. give us a rundown. Like, what were some big surprises for you? What were what were some of the things that kind of made you scratch your head, or maybe stood out to you as like, huh, wow, that's a big deal? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, looking at it, I mean, a lot of a lot of big trades in it, right? Russell Wilson going to to Denver. That's that's pretty big. Um, and then Denver Stadium starts yeah, on right. fire. Tyreek Hill um, to the to the Dolphins for a lot of stuff. Um, the Lions haven't really done much. They're thinking about trading up, which would be just awful. Absolutely. I'm telling you, awful. if the Lions get I Hutchinson, I, I will not root for the Lions anymore. I don't think he's that good. No. I've heard an, an analyst say he's not as good as the Bosa brothers. Well, then why would you burn a number one pick on him? Trade down. Not a once in a lifetime. We went and got this whole new regime to make smart moves and not just pick, you know, four receivers in a row because they were the best picks. The Michigan. Don't settle for the best available. Get what you need. Right. Um, Shark is a good pickup. Shark, that was a very good pickup. For some reason, they brought back Jared Davis, which is ridiculous. He sucked. But yeah, Shark is good. That's a, a nice piece. Get a good receiver in the draft, and you got a pretty formidable offense, to be honest with you. Jared Goff get protected, all that good stuff. Um, I mean, Chiefs they got Juju Smith Schuster. Woo! They make TikToks with his with Patrick. Oh, I didn't even see that one. Um, He's Mark, the replacement for Hill. And they got Valdez Scant, Scant, Scantling from the Packers. That's I mean, two good guys. There, uh, there's very big rumors that they're probably going to trade up um, so they can get a guy like like a Garrett Wilson, which would probably Olave, somebody like that, yeah, someone that's you know going to be really good. But I mean, they they lose a little bit. The Lions got Mike Hughes from the um, from the uh, Chiefs. He's a pretty good, um, been a pretty good player um, the last few years in the league. 
Um, you the know, quarterback the, roulette. Ryan went from the Falcons to the Colts. Mm-hmm. Wentz then, went to the Commander. What are they? Commanders now. Yep. Redskins. Deshaun Watson to the Browns, which is crazy. Baker Mayfield still doesn't have a home. Don't know where he's going to go. He, they said there's mutual um, mutual disagree, like agreement that they hate each other between him and the Panthers, so he's not going there. Um, maybe the maybe Falcons, go to the Jets. Who do the Falcon, Jets have? Wilson. Oh, yeah. I can see the Seahawks maybe. But I, honestly, no one else really needs a quarterback. I mean, Pittsburgh, I Yes, but they're probably going to draft a quarterback. That would be, uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be kind of. That'd be like Rodgers, well, like Favre when he went. I mean, the the Falcons probably need a quarterback because they have their quarterback's going to be Mariota. He's trash. Oh, he was trash in college, but yeah, he no, he was good in college. He won the Heisman. He was okay, but I mean, he was he played on a team that fit his style. The the NFL does not fit a running quarterback that's not a great passer. Well, Devonta Adams to the to the Raiders is pretty big, I would say. That's big news. But do they have a quarterback that can get him the ball? Derek Carr is not terrible. He's okay, but he's not a Rod. He's got. I mean, he's got him now. He's got Waller, who's six seven, good good yeah, tight Renfro. end and Renfro. So they got some pretty good pieces. I mean, I don't know. It's been it's been crazy. I mean, no one else in the NFC North has really made a splash. The Lions. You know, I mean, oh, you know who the, the Steelers got is Trubisky. Yeah, they do have Trubisky. Speaking of NFC North. Not really. The Lions need to trade down, I think, in this draft so they can you know, get whatever. But, I mean, you're looking at it. The NFC North could be pretty open. I mean, Rodgers is Rodgers. He's going to win, but he doesn't have a Devontae Adams. His best receiver coming back is Tanyan, who was hurt last year towards ACL. They just re-signed him to a one-year contract. Otherwise, he doesn't have much. I mean, he Lazard, has, and that's about it. Right? Lazard is really it, and then what? What's his name? Jones is good, um, but Aaron Jones. But that's really it. And they'll probably just draft another quarterback to piss him off. Right. The Bears are going to be pretty. I mean, Justin Fields has potential, but they don't really have much. They don't have a ton of weapons. Their best receiver is like I don't even know who their best receiver is. Like Byron Pringle, maybe Robinson. Ronald oh, Robinson. Uh, to the Rams. Oh, yeah, that's Robert right. Robert Woods to the um, Titans. That's pretty big. It's interesting to see where Julio Jones ends up. I could see him going to somewhere like Green Bay. He'd probably be good with Rodgers. Um, well, yeah. Mayfield to Tennessee. I mean, not Tennessee, Houston. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, they they really like right? Davis Mills, though, apparently. Because he's got a long pencil neck and he went neck. to Stanford. Yeah, I don't like him. I don't think he's very good, but that's me. Um I'm trying, I don't really think there's anything else that was huge um, lately. It's, just, it's just a lot of small stuff. Um, but the draft, I mean, it's coming up here. I think it's a month from today. It starts um, on April 28th. It's going to be interesting you know, see what teams do trade-wise. Um, if there's going to be a run on tackles, if quarterbacks are going to go high. Um, you know, there's not one surefire quarterback you're like, dang, I need to take him. Lions are looking at the Liberty quarterback, but yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's the right. If you want to trade down and get him, fine. Yeah, if you want to trade down to the teens and get him, sure, but not two. No. I mean, there's some there's some really, really nice players that could fit the Lions. Just uh, two is a hard spot for him right now. I mean, there's not, an, like, Kayvon Thibodeau's, there's questions about him. There's no surefire number two, which is why I think they should trade down and you know tip their hand and say, "Oh, we're going to draft a, a tackle here." You know, Jets, you want this? We'll trade down to four or five. Then you can get we can get Kyle Hamilton or right, you know, get a safety, a receiver, get a position of need, a guy that you need that has good positional value there instead of getting the Jeff Okuda at three and then he tr- he's trash and tears mm-hmm. his Achilles. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I saw um, <laughs> I saw on. It must have been TikTok because I'm not on any other social media. Some, probably presumably Lions fan, said, how about the Lions trade number two, Goff, and their other number one pick this year? So they're two number one picks in Goff for um, Trevor Lawrence. I'd take that. I don't think Jacksonville would be dumb enough to do it, no. but I'd take it. Um, but we'll get more into that stuff and kind of the – the wacky world of things. We had a couple of great trade ideas last year for the Lions with the Colts, and then they ended up trade, trading with the Rams. But we'll talk more about that as we get closer. Um, certainly, probably have maybe we'll have Riley back on here and yeah, we can do will. their draft yeah, special, and, and I can yeah. just be the producer for that one. Um, 
All right, moving to spot number five, back to golf. Again, we've got an open sponsorship spot here, so if you want it, grab it. Last week was fun. I mean, obviously, in the midst of March Madness, the, you know, golf is taking second fiddle for us, for us and probably a lot of people. But the match play, um, very cool course in, down in Austin, Country Club of Austin or Austin Country Club, one or the other. Um, some great risk-reward holes, some great matches. Um, I was a little thrown off by the pool play. That felt new to me. I don't know if that was really how it's been in the past. But um, you get into the weekend and, and anything can happen in those things. I mean, Kisner... Just he he's a, he just man. He just he had the biggest comeback ever, I think, in in the, that match play event. I don't remember. He was down four or five with you know only like six yeah, holes to go. Great match player. He's just he's such a, he. He's kind of ice cold. Crap. He's a little bit of a snake. I just love him in that in that atmosphere. But you know, Scheffler ascends to number one in, uh, the, in the world. Just uh, that's three wins in like the last five weeks for him. Unbelievable. Of course, I was basically his home course, but um, so that begs the question for this week, Ryan: Should there be more match play events? Like yeah, that? I think there should be at least three a year. You know, maybe one at the beginning, one in the middle. Um, you know, kind of round now and then one later in the season. I think it's great. It's fun. It's it's entertaining. It's a change of speed. Um, and just you know, it's, it gets you know different guys playing against each other brings rivalries. One, one bad hole doesn't matter. Yeah, That's what's fun. fun, you know. Like if you put fun, dump one in the water, course, who cares? Cool. Right? You, you, know, you love watching the the match, you know, when they do it on TBS yeah. or whatever. It's this, or TNT. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of like the event in New Orleans that happens a few weeks after Augusta. You know, it's a team event. It's just different, right? Like the different is good. I think it kind of can grab the casual fan a little bit more. And here's kind of a wild idea: they'll never do it. I, I don't know if they ever did this for the U.S. Open back in the day or not, but. Why not do the U.S. Open like they do the U.S. Amateur, where you have like two rounds, I believe it is, of stroke play, and then they get their whatever, 30, I don't remember what it is for the U.S. Amateur, if it's 32 or whatever, however many, you know, guys that go into the match play round, um, that like, that would be fun. Like, just whoever's playing the best on Tuesday and Wednesday gets into the, you know, four days of match play, just like... Talk about mano y mano. They would never do it, of course, but that would be fun to me. Like, or make a fifth major. Like, I don't know. Just, I'd like to see more of that because I love to watch the U.S. Amateur just for that reason. It's fun to see who who does well. I mean, you've got a lot of pressure on yourself to make that cut, right, to get into match play. Um, it's you know a whole another ball game of making the cut. You know, when it's less people that make it to get in, I just I think that would be. I don't know if they could do it for the PGA. They probably wouldn't. I don't know, but it'll never happen. It's a pipe dream, but to me, I think that would be a blast, and I think it would, you know, things like that will continue to help grow the game of golf, I think. Um, all right, Ryan, so this one was one I've – Chris and I floated back and forth. I might have given it to you. So I saw two renditions of this on TikTok, and I know Masters Week is a week away, but we got to ask this question. So – Scenario number one was you get pulled out of the crowd at Augusta and you get to play 18 holes in front of the patrons, 18 holes, and you cannot go out of bounds at all. So no woods, no water, no, I don't, I think it said no sand, right? No hazards is what it was, not out of bounds, no hazards, no woods, no water, no sand, 18 holes and you win $50 million, but if you don't do it, you go to prison for 25 years. Would you take the chance? No. I probably would. I, I, I mean, what your strategy, though, could be, now, I hate to use the dreaded S word, but what if you shanked your 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 wedge? You're going to have to use a wedge at some point because you can't putt through the water. But, I mean, I saw guys in comments like, yeah, I'll just take my putter. Who cares? It might be an eight-hour round. I might wrap the hell out of my putter and break it, but... There's something to that, but versus 25 years in prison, I don't know. The other may be more realistic, although they said Sunday pin placement, same thing. You get plucked out of the crowd, 18 holes at Augusta, Sunday in front of the Patriots from the tips. If you can get one birdie in 18 holes, you win $50 million, or you go to prison for 25 years. Do you do it? I don't think I can get a birdie there. There's no way. Man. I don't think I could do it. See, that would be more fun to me because... Yeah, but you want to go to jail? 
There'd be so much pressure. It would be a lot of pressure. But it would be more fun in theory because you're actually swinging away and you're playing the golf course. Not like you're not, you know, taking 100 strokes per hole with your putter. I mean, I'm sure your some of your putts would roll forever on those fairways. But, I mean, interesting things to think about. I, I always laugh at when I see those, but they're interesting to ponder, obviously, because they never would come to fruition anyway. It's kind of like my idea for the match play. But, um Kind of fun little what ifs, but, you know, would you do it? So you'd do neither? No, I wouldn't do it. I couldn't. Maybe I um, might try the one, like, let's just say this. Maybe if I knew I was, you know, going to die of cancer in the next five years, maybe I would take the chance on the birdie one just to set my family up for life or to live high off the hog there for five years and, and then just go to prison and rot in prison. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Give us, give us your thoughts on social media, what you would do. Would you, would you take that bet? All right, um, we're back to picking Ryan. We'll pick our twosomes this week. Um, I don't think we officially picked last week. I think we kind of threw some names out there. I said JT, you said Scheffler, and obviously Scotty won. So uh, we got the Valero um, this weekend, and then obviously the Masters next weekend. Who you got this week? Yeah, just weird names. I I, I thought of them. I you know, was looking at the um, the field. I wanted to go less, you know, like a oh a Spieth, a guy to repeat. I'm gonna go with Brandon Grace. He's a guy that's played well in he's a lot long, of tournaments. He's like plus twenty thousand. He's, good. he's good. He's been, and then Thigala, who's played well this year. Yeah. I like him. I did put a buck on Thigala last week, and he, I didn't, like him. he didn't pay off for me. But down in wherever they were playing Punta Punta Cana, I think it was. Yes. All right, I'm gonna go with two guys that I thought. Well, one in particular got to the final four uh, of match play, and then the other one um, had a big win. I think it was like maybe seven and six. I'm gonna go with Connors and McNeely as my two picks. Like it. All right. That is around the world. Let's end as we always do on the sprint. We'll go back to kind of hoops here, apropos with the final four this weekend. Ryan, will the Big Ten win a national championship in basketball in the next five years? Nope. I don't know where it comes from because the Big Ten, like you talked about, is turning over virtually all kinds of talent. I mean, Michigan State is losing Gabe Brown, so and Markey, so that's the end of the world right there. Uh-huh. Or who is this guy? Woke, Peter some walk on, whatever. Who cares, dude? All right, spot number two. No offense to guys like Michael P, who's a who's a good walk on for Michigan State. Never heard of this other guy. Um, half court, rather have an established, experienced, great one year grad transfer or a top five national recruit coming into your class? That's tough. I'd say top five national I should say top recruit. five one and done. One and done. Uh-uh. Me? I want the experienced guy. I want the dude, guy. When, these fucking I know, but I want the I want the guy that already knows how to do it. That's because true. We saw what happened with Max this year. Sometimes the pressure gets to That's these true. guys, right? All right. Uh, opposite free throw line and back. What does Michigan State need to add from the portal? This year, they need to add a guy that can play three or four. That assuming that Joey Hauser leaves a three or four, which they are looking at in Jalen Bridges, who's coming on a visit to Michigan State apparently soon. Michigan State in home visited him. Um, six eight wing slash forward, bouncy can shoot it, can play defense. Great, a shooter, a guy that can play a little a three and D guy basically. Great, and then a big guy. They can bruise in the post. They can score with his back to the basket. That is what you need. A yeah, guy I, can mix it up and then maybe step out and hit a jump shot. And a guy that's going to play good defense. If I can have just a one little rim thing, protection. I want a 40, 40 to 42% three-point shooter. I want a three-point guy. I want a guy that's just a snipe. I want somebody that what can about, I mean, if Michigan State gets even, uh, gets a Brit, this Jalen Bridges guy, and then one big, I mean, they're probably going to be a less top streaky two, Gabe three Brown. in the Big Ten. I want yes. a less streaky Gabe Brown. Is what yes. I want. And I'll take this Bridges guy. Um, all right. Number four. We kind of, you alluded to this a little bit, but ideal broadcast combo for the Final Four, because we know who it is, ain't it? Uh, definitely would say uh, Kevin Harlan. I don't even know who... I mean, I like Raf. I would say. I he's think the other guys kind of... He's getting old, but as, like Raf, back in the day when he was with Gus, that, that was a great pairing. I would even say, who is with Harlan? Is it Jim Jackson? It's No, he would be really Jim good. Jim Jackson's really it's, good. It's Harlan, Reggie, and Dan Bonner. 
Yeah, and they're okay. I Reggie's mean, Reggie's right. okay. I would rather. I think Jim Jackson's better. I think Clark Kellogg is actually yeah, he's great. Really good. He's fantastic. Um, he's fun to listen to. He's articulate. He's smart. He played. I think he. I don't. CBS screwed him by putting him in the studio. I just because he's got to sit with those other boys. I mean, I love. Voice. I love Barkley. He's hilarious, but he doesn't know anything about college basketball anymore. And Kenny Smith just pontificates about who he knows and whatever. Uh, no, give me give me Clark with Harlan. That would I think that's the setup. That's the setup. It's and you know you got the passing of the torch. We didn't talk about this in the NFL. You got new Monday Night Football guys, Joe Buck, Joe and Buck, and uh, Troy, Troy Aikman, Aikman leaving Fox. Kevin Burkhart, by the way, is the new Fox. Good guy. end He's of an really end of an era there to go to Monday Night Football. I said go. I hate ESPN anyway. Don't watch that much Monday Night Football. And it really is about the games, not the announcers. So unless you get better games, who really cares who your announcers are, to be completely honest. All right. That is that. A little bit of a shorter episode this week. And it's going to probably get that way for a little bit as we go now because we've got to manufacture our topics a little bit more. But that's okay. Ryan, give us a social media closeout. Uh, yep. Final score, 35 on Twitter, um, you know, if you follow us on on Spotify, you know, Apple Pod, punch that like button, leave us a comment, stuff like that. Um, it's helpful. We like it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yeah, hello. Shout out to our sponsor, uh, Teammaters Realty. Always loyal, always great. Watch them drive by every day. If you need a realtor in West Michigan, get a hold of Jim, Donna, Tim, and their team. Teamanders.com, they will hook you up. We know a lot of people who have, they've sold houses to and got into new homes and everything else. Just fantastic people, um, people that you can trust, Teamanders.com. Meantime, as John Wooden, the great John Wooden, once said, among a bajillion other great things, talent is God-given. Be humble. Fame is man-given. Be grateful. Conceit is self-given. Be careful.